Welcome to the Mariners podcast presented by Ethos Mariners. This is Tino Ganasius. You can find me on Twitter at TinoJR20 and the podcast at Ethos, E-T-H-O-S-M-A-R-I-N-E-R-S. Today, we are going to go over the first two games of the Mariners series against the Oakland Athletics at home. Um, Two wins for the Mariners uh, brings them to 500. Uh, We've got two more games today and tomorrow against Oakland. That's Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, Looking pretty good. Good pitching matchups. Some players getting out of slumps. Let's get started. Uh, Entering Monday night, the Oakland Athletics were 10 and 38. And the Seattle Mariners were 22 and 24. Uh, the Mariners won this game 11-2, uh, paced by Julio Rodriguez and Jared Kelnick with three hits each. Nice to see Julio get three hits in this game, went three for four, three runs, and an RBI. Luis Castillo kind of got back to being that uh that number one starter that we're accustomed to with him. He went six innings, four hits, no runs, two walks, eight Ks. Had a little bit of a velocity bump, uh, ended the game three and two with a 297 ERA for the year, threw 101 pitches. This is basically how you would draw up a Mariners win, uh, getting production from their three and four hitters, uh, their two stars. Yes, I called him a star. I think Jared Kelnick is, has arrived and turned the corner, and uh, obviously Julio Rodriguez. So six innings from your number one starter, uh, production six for eight from your uh, middle of your lineup, looking pretty good. The Mariners faced Kyle Mueller, who was acquired in the Sean Murphy trade from the Atlanta Braves uh, in the offseason. Mueller was a kind of a fringe top 100 prospect um, as a prospect, left-handed starter, uh, essentially fastball, curveball, slider. His fastball is not a wouldn't call it a plus pitch. I think the three pitches across the board are average to slightly above average. Um, he's imposing. He's six seven, but he doesn't throw as hard as you would expect from a six seven starter. If he does stick with the A's, which I fully expect him to, as one of the centerpieces of this trade, I expect him to settle in probably as their number four starter somewhere three four five area. Uh, but there's still talent there, and. Um, He's one of those on a team like Oakland that they're going to want to see, you know, as many starts from uh, Mueller this year as they can possibly see to, to gauge whether he's a part of their future moving forward or not. Uh, the Mariners lineup in this game was uh, JP hit leadoff, which I found interesting as a uh, left-handed hitter. He definitely is a much better hitter against lefties than he is right or righties than he is against lefties. And so to see him hit leadoff against left-handed starter was a little different for me. I may have flipped he and A.J. Pollock or he and Jose Caballero. Pollock hit eighth and Caballero hit ninth. But um, I think they want him to settle in into that leadoff spot and be comfortable there. So J.P. hit first. Uh, Ty France hit second. Julio three. Kelnick four. Suarez five. Uh, Raleigh six. Teo Hernandez seven. Pollock eighth in left field and uh, Caballero hit ninth as the second baseman. Kelnick interestingly was the DH uh, today. So no problems with the lineup. Again, I might flip JP and Pollock or JP and Caballero, but other than that, I like seeing tail move down even a little bit more to try to get him out of his slump. Uh, So the Mariners led five, nothing 
after two innings. Um, they jumped on. Uh, so Cal had a single. AJ Pollock walked. They're two on. Caballero came up. And this was his second home run in two games. I don't know if I was a starting pitcher, would I want to challenge Caballero with strikes? Probably. I, I think he's a is below average power, and I wouldn't have expected him to hit a home run in this situation. And yet, um, Jose Caballero hit a three-run home run on an 88-mile-an-hour uh, slider that was lowing in out to left center field. Uh, he hit it 418 feet and 104 mile per hour exit velocity. Uh, that's a little more power than I think any of us expected from Caballero, especially in that situation. Um, that made uh, that made the game five, nothing uh, before that in the bottom of the first uh, France hit a single on a 94 mile an hour fastball. That was up uh, Julio, his first pitch, he took a 94-mile-an-hour fastball that was middle-middle. I want to talk about that a little bit because Julio, to me, right now, uh, looks like he's guessing half the time. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. There have been a lot of really – there have been Hall of Fame hitters that have been guest hitters. But to take a 94-mile-an-hour fastball from a left-handed starting pitcher that was middle-middle, I think – Either he was guessing breaking ball or he decided or he was instructed to take the first pitch. He has been swinging really early in the count and chasing a bit and has been the criticism of Julio Rodriguez so far this year. And so uh, to see him take first pitch in the bottom of the first is not necessarily weird, but taking 94 middle middle uh, isn't great, I don't think, Even uh, despite the fact that he's hasn't been seeing a lot of pitches. I'd like to see him swing at that. He did hit an 88-mile-an-hour uh, slider that was low and away for a fielder's choice. So there was runner on first when Jared Kelnick on a 2-0 count hit a middle-middle 94-mile-an-hour fastball uh, straight hit out to straightaway center field, 112 miles, miles an hour off the bat, and an estimated 455 feet, which is bananas. Um to see Kelnick do that off a lefty uh, is obviously great news. Um, I don't know that there's a ton of worry with Kelnick about there being a platoon split at this point in time, at least based on this year. And, you know, the, a 2-0 pitch from a uh, younger starter, you, know, you can, unless they have a plus pitch that's not a fastball, I think it is fair to expect a fastball. So clearly uh, Kelnick was hunting fastball 2-0 he did get it middle middle and he hit it way out in center field so Mariners go up 2-0 in the bottom of the first they go up 5-0 on Jose Caballero's home run uh in the bottom of the second and then really from there uh it was all about Luis Castillo he really did bruise um the rest of the the rest of his six innings he picked up his thousandth uh, career strikeout versus Shea Langoliers on a 98 mile an hour fastball that was middle up. Um, he added he had added 1.8 miles an hour to his fast to his average fastball forcing fastball this season. He averaged in this game 97.6. Um, his yearly average so far was 95.8. 
Velocity on the changeup was up. Velocity on the sinker was up a mile an hour. Velocity was even up on the slider up to 85.7. I've been saying, others have been saying, don't worry about Luis Castillo's uh, velocity. He's a pitcher that very clearly feels more comfortable in warmer weather. Uh, he's been a slow starter historically, specifically with velocity. And I think this game uh, it proves that he, you know, that his velocity is going to get back to where you want to see it with him, which is averaging, you know, uh, 97. Actually, his average fastball in this game was 97.6. The yearly average was 95.8. Seeing him average 97, 98 miles an hour in the fastball is, is kind of peak Luis Castillo, and that's where we're getting right now. Interestingly, too, the spin rate was up just ever so slightly on all four of his pitches as well. So he was throwing harder. He was throwing for more spin. That makes for uh, better stuff, obviously. I assume his stuff plus number was up. I didn't look. Um, and then he got 22 whiffs on 51 swings, which is good for a 43% swinging strike rate. That's phenomenal. Uh, the increase in stuff plus facing the Oakland Athletics probably pushed his uh, his whiff rate higher than um, what is realistic to expect moving forward. But it's a great sign. No doubt it's a great sign. He got 13 whiffs on 27 four-seam fastballs, and that's you don't see that with fastballs. Uh, so Castillo looked like vintage Castillo. Um, in the sixth inning, he had the bases loaded, two outs. Uh, Jace Peterson was up. Jace Peterson's a left-handed um, hitter, hits for some power on a 1-1 count. Uh, he threw a 90-mile-an-hour changeup that was low and outside, um, but it was still a strike. Uh, grounded out 3-1 to tie France. Um, and that was the end of Luis Castillo's night. Um, he just, you know, if we can get this kind of pitching, I'll get into it a little bit later, from the Mariners with Castillo uh, heading the rotation. The Mariners are going to be in great shape, despite of what you think of the offense. Uh, bottom six, two outs. Um, Julio hit an RBI double on an 0-1 count. He took a strike, called strike on the first pitch and then hit a double 109 miles an hour to left field on a changeup that was middle, middle. Uh, another good sign from Julio Rodriguez. And then uh, towards the end of the game, as the bases loaded two run single to center from Gino uh, off of a, the sixth pitch from Shintaro Fujinami uh, on a 98 mile an hour four seam fastball. That's a good sign from Gino as well, that he's hitting the ball hard to center field. Uh, he hit a, a long home run to center field uh, in a previous game as well. So those are good signs from him. All in all, this was, again, this was what you, you drew up a Mariners victory. This is what you would uh, write in the storybook. Castillo went six. Juan 10 came in for an inning and third. Uh, he gave up two runs, but that's okay, given the fact that uh, the Mariners were in the lead um, on a pretty large lead, and then Gabe Spire and Chris Flexen closed it out. So Mariners win 11-2. They go, they move to 23 and 24, close to 500. Um, again, kind of the storybook Mariners victory. So uh, game two of the series was Tuesday night. It was Luis Medina, who was another part of the Frankie Montas trade from the Yankees. Medina, fastball slider primarily, um, probably a reliever profile ultimately, but the A's, as was said earlier, are in that uh, mode of trying to see what they have in these young players. He came into the game 0-2 with a 6-8-8 ERA and a 1-2-4 whip. 
Um, big fastball, change up curveball, uh, I'd say slider more than a curve, and pretty poor command. And he was facing Marco Gonzalez, who's been um, the subject of quite a bit of scrutiny recently, from myself included. Uh, three and one with a 6.10 ERA and a 159 whip over 38 and a third innings thus far. He surrendered 47 hits, 14 walks, and struck out 26. So Oakland took the lead 2-0 in the top of the first. Uh, it's interesting because I consider Marco Gonzalez's best pitch to be his changeup. Uh, he was regarded as having a plus changeup when he was picked in the first round by the St. Louis Cardinals um, out of Gonzaga. Uh, I still think that's his best pitch. I think it's the only pitch uh, that would be considered above average in his uh, four-pitch repertoire. And he threw an 81-mile-an-hour changeup to Ruiz as the first pitch of the game, and it was low and away. It was barely a strike. Uh, it's reminiscent of the Jamie Moyer type of changeup, and Ruiz hit a single to left field. Hitters are going to uh, to get base hits on quality pitches. Obviously, they're major leaguers, but to see a rookie who probably has a, a 55 hit tool at best, um, average to just slightly above average, to single on what I would consider to be Marco Gonzalez's best pitch uh, was not a good side. Uh, to say the least. And then, but he did come back to strike out Brent Rooker, who's been the best Oakland hitter this year on a, uh, on a changeup that was 81 miles an hour low and outside, essentially the same pitch to Ruiz, but a little bit more outside. Part of it was the sequencing. He went forcing fastball and curveball as the first two pitches uh, to Rooker um, that were both for strikes and then really did throw that, that changeup way outside. Marco's going to have to change to, um, I guess, really manipulate his pitch mix and locate in order to be successful. We know that about him. Watching the at-bat to Rooker was was kind of vintage. Um, Marco Gonzalez, that's what you want to see. Estrella Ruiz stole second. He leads the majors in stolen bases with 25. It was a pretty clean, easy steal. And then Ramon Laureano on a 1-1 curveball sing, uh, hit an RBI single. It was a, uh, a curveball low and away. What I didn't like was Marco went fastball in pitch one. Then he went curveball low and in pitch two, but then pitch three was curveball low and away. And to double up on a curveball and have them be at the same eye level. Uh, so they both landed at the bottom of the strike zone to have them both at the same eye level makes it a pretty easy pitch to hit, right? If his curveball is, is, you know, 79 miles an hour or so, and you just saw the same arc on a pitch, you know what's coming, you know where it's going to land. So I didn't like the fact that he doubled up on the curveball and that they both were were ended up as low strikes. Um, Loriano singled, uh, and then he took, ended up taking third on an RBI ground out by Jesus Aguilar. What was funny about it was Loriano's on second, uh, Aguilar grounds to Suarez, who looks Loriano back. And Loriano took off for third when Suarez threw the ball. I think if Gino operated with a little more sense of urgency with the throw, Loriano may not have been safe. I also found it very strange that um, Loriano was willing to risk being thrown out at third um, 
with two outs because the uh, the old baseball adage is you never want to make the first or third out at home or excuse me at third base and uh he did risk getting thrown out in the third Carlos Perez their catcher came up in RBI single uh on the sixth pitch of the out bat it was a curveball in the zone so the uh Oakland Athletics went up um uh 2-0 at that point in the top of the first on the I want to point out in the bottom of the third inning uh Tail Hernandez had a six pitch one, excuse me, one, two, three, four. Yeah. Six pitch at bat and all the pitches were in the zone. And then the sixth pitch was a slider that was way out of the zone. Um, he had hit four straight foul balls prior, but there's something with his ability to recognize, I think slider spin that that's a bit concerning to me. I said it on the previous pod. If, if I was an opposing right-handed pitcher, to tail Hernandez. I don't know that I would throw a uh, forcing fastball that feels like it's giving in, Uh, but he struck out and then Colt Wong came up and I made the comment on Twitter that I wondered if this was Colton Wong's last stand, Uh, given the way Caballero has been hitting and um, kind of the spark that he's brought. And then with uh, Colton Wong struggles, Colton Wong, to his credit, in this at-bat at the, in the bottom of the third, he hit a four-seam fastball that was 101 miles an hour off the bat. It was a low strike and had an expected batting average of 790. Estuary uh, Ruiz, the ace center fielder, uh, can fly and was able to close ground and, and catch the ball in the gap. It was unlucky on, for Wong. I, I have not look at, looked at his expected stat numbers, but... He's hitting 172 with a 252 on base and a 202 slug, which is not what we expected from him. He got really unlucky on this hit. It was good to see him hit the ball hard. Uh, I do expect the Mariners to give him a little bit more time than uh, I think people are calling for. He's a veteran. He's still, you know, he's not young, but he's not an old veteran yet. His defensive range has reduced or decreased um, a bit since since he was a young player where he had plus range but he's still a veteran i think he's a left-handed bat that pairs very well with uh dylan moore when he's healthy and jose caballero um i do think the mariners are going to give him a little bit more time to kind of get back to where he was because he does take walks and you know previous seasons he's been a double digit home run double digit steal uh player at second base so Heading into the bottom of the fifth, um, this is when the Mariners scored the runs. Uh, Teo Hernandez lined out to right field. Colton Wong grounded out 5-3, but then uh, Tom Murphy hit a double to left field. It was on a middle-middle 97-mile-an-hour fastball. It was 107 miles an hour off the bat. As much as I'm not a huge Tom Murphy fan, uh, he does hit the ball hard when he hits it, and I, you know, if we have to have a right-handed um, defensive oriented catcher behind uh, Cal Raleigh, uh, we could do worse than, than Tom Murphy. Uh, so Murphy's on second, two outs and JP Crawford hit a, a 95 mile an hour forcing fastball. That was middle, middle uh, out to right center field. It was 104 miles an hour off the bat, uh, 375 feet. He hit it. I tweeted, with uh, the home run, 
that I was shocked or surprised that it went out when it came off the bat. I, there's something about Crawford's swing that is a little limp. I just, the, he doesn't impact the ball in the way that, that you expect him to, or maybe that was expected when he first came up as a first round pick of the Phillies. Um, I know he worked on, on hitting the ball harder in the off season. I think he is hitting the ball harder than he did, but even his home run, which I'm, you know, I, I'm glad he hit the home run gives us something to talk about, but I was surprised that it went out. Uh, after JP's home run, Ty France hit a solo home run on an 85 mile an hour slider that was in the middle of the zone, but low. It was, uh, I believe it was also the sixth pitch in the at-bat. What I found interesting about this at-bat was, this was against Luis Medina, was that the sequence was slider, 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 four-seam fastball, slider, and then the slider he hit out. And so if you see five sliders from a pitcher, and it's not a 70-grade slider, right, on the 20-80 scale. It's not an elite or plus-plus pitch. Eventually, a major league hitter, especially one that makes contact as often as Ty France does, is going to be able to hone in on it. I was surprised that he threw five sliders in this at-bat. Uh, Ty hit it out 100, 108 miles an hour plus off the bat to left center, uh, 420 feet. And so the Mariners took the lead there. Uh to go up 3-2, and that was that. From that point forward, um, Trevor Gott came in and got a hold. He pitched the seventh inning, one inning, two Ks. Uh, Justin Topa pitched the eighth. He got the, his ninth hold of the year, uh, one inning, one K, and then Paul Seawall pitched the ninth, his tenth save, one inning, two strikeouts. Uh, Marco's final line ended up being six hits, five, or six innings, five hits, two runs, Two earn, one walk, four strikeouts. Um, this was really what you would expect from Marco when he's going well, right? He threw uh, 29 change-ups, 29 four-seam fastballs, which had a uh, velocity difference of uh, just over nine miles an hour. That's a good separation between the two pitches. He threw 16 curveballs and 14 cutters. So he had four pitches going that you, as a batter, you didn't know which one it was going to be. And a separation of about 10 miles an hour from lowest velocity to highest. And that's that's where he needs to sit. He also needs to command those if he can. Uh, he, like Luis Castillo, saw a velocity bump. His average four-seam fastball was 90 miles an hour in this start. And his yearly average was 89. Uh, he saw the same bump with his changeup and then about a half a mile an hour on his curve and his cutter. His spin rate was also up. It was up 119 revolutions with the curveball, uh, which is not insignificant. And so he too had a little bit better stuff in this game than he did uh, in the rest of the, the, the uh, year thus far. And then one other note with, with Marco is he had 12 whiffs on 40 swings. That's a 30% whiff rate. Marco Gonzalez is not going to typically have a 30% whiff rate. Uh, much of this, I think, is due to facing the A's. Uh, but he also did have slightly better stuff. So the last note, oh, I'll talk about Marco in a little bit when I talk about the uh, the rotation and what I see moving forward. So one other note from this game, 
Uh, Trevor May came in to pitch. He, on his third pitch, so he just got off the injured list. Uh, he was interestingly on the injured list for anxiety. Uh, he was very open and transparent about his anxiety. I, I applaud him for being willing to talk about it. Uh, won't go into it too much, but I, I do think that a male athlete talking about anxiety as being something that that was hindering him and keeping him from his work is is a, uh, I applaud. I, I just I like it when we're able to be open and honest about that sort of thing. And and uh, it was good to see him back on the mound. He did hit Ty France in an up and in fastball. And with this third pitch, uh, I don't know if that's going to keep Ty France out of uh, today's lineup, but, you know, it wasn't a good sign. Uh, and then uh, Julio had an interesting fly out in that same inning. That was, uh, he was called out on fan interference on a foul ball down the right field line. But Mariners ended up winning uh, this game. Uh, it was, again, if you had to draw up a uh, pitching performance from Marco and the bullpen, this is what it would look like. Marco going six and then an inning apiece from your middle guys and Paul Seawald closing it out. Uh, Julio one for four, Kelnick one for four. The offense came from the two home runs from JP and Ty France. Uh, you know, quick game. Medina, I would hope the Mariners would be able to score a little more off of Luis Medina, but he does have good stuff. He just has poor command. The Mariners took these first two games of the series uh, looking good. The matchup today is Ken Waldachuk, who is um, arguably their their best young starter. He hasn't shown it this year with a 1-3 record and a 6.85 ERA, but he is talented. Fastball, sweeper, changeup. Um, all three pitches are, I consider to be, slightly above average. And then he's facing Bryce Miller, who we've talked about previously, two and one with the one four two ERA. Uh, he's the talk of all fantasy leagues. He's a lot of fun. Watch his pitch mix because he's really survived on an elite double plus fastball up to this point. He's gotten, uh, he hasn't gotten many swings and misses on the gyro slider or um, the sweeper. Uh, I expect to see him eventually have to use that pitch for for some outs, I think, and for some strikeouts. I think he's going to continue to use the fastball as he did in Detroit until uh, teams prove that they can hit it, right? I, his, even his three runs surrendered in Atlanta, uh, two of them were runners that he had left on for the reliever who ended up surrendering those uh, a hit. So this is a fun matchup. Both pitchers are talented. I had Waldachuk, interestingly, in fantasy, had him slightly over Bryce Miller coming into the season as a uh, a dynasty starting pitching prospect. Uh, obviously, Miller has surpassed him based on this performance. Uh, a lot of fun. This is a matchup that if I was in Seattle, this would be the game I would have prioritized to see. Uh, should be a fun one. And then Thursday, it's J.P. Sears, who was also acquired in the Montas trade. Uh, it's pitched pretty well. Left-handed starter pitched pretty well for the Oakland this year, despite the 0-3 record and the 499 ERA. 1-1-5 whip and 51 strikeouts in 48 and two-thirds innings. And he's facing Logan Gilbert, who we talked about previously. Um, these two games are going to be fun. We should have another podcast on Friday uh, reviewing the rest of this series and previewing the weekend. So to finish this out, a little bit about uh, this rotation. 
I was having a conversation with a buddy earlier today about the Mariners rotation and he cited uh he cited the old Oakland A's threesome of Jason Isringhausen, Barry Zito and Mark Mulder. You know, the New York Mets had um years ago had uh, Jason Isringhausen, Paul Wilson and Bill Pulsifer as their big three coming up through the system. Uh, even the Mariners with Taiwan Walker and Danny Holson who was the third one? Uh, there was one other that I'm not remembering off the top of my head that were supposed to be their big three. But the Mariners truly, if you think about it, in May of two years ago, brought up Logan Gilbert, and he's been a mainstay in the rotation since. Logan Gilbert, in my mind, is a 180-inning starter who's probably going to have somewhere between a, a three and a three seven five ERA. He may strike out 200 hitters. He's a... a Rock solid number three starter. I do think he has the ceiling to to get to a number two potentially, but he's dynamite and he's been great this season. So you have your number three in Logan who came up two years ago in May. George Kirby comes up last year in May. We have to start talking about George Kirby being a number one starter. I'm not calling him an ace yet, but his ability to limit his walks and his command are those two skills may be the best in baseball. I think he's he doesn't get enough swinging strikes. Uh, for me, he's going to surrender quite a few hits because he's in the zone so often. He's a very comfortable at bat, in my opinion, because he he's around the zone so much. But he's shown that he can give up a hit per inning and a strikeout, get a strikeout per inning and not walk anybody and keep his ERA under three. I think Kirby moving forward, providing health also is, you know, a 180 inning starter. And and I think he's a candidate to throw 200 innings given his ability to limit his pitch count and go pitch deep into games. He, to me, is, is a 1B to Luis Castillo's 1A at this point in time. Castillo's proven. Uh, obviously, the stuff is there. I do think there's uh, a half-notch greater performance that we could see out of Castillo um, compared to uh, his previous history, given his pitch mix in Cincinnati was sinker changeup. I think that was due in part because of the small ballpark and they were trying to get him to be a ground ball pitcher. But the truth of the matter is he has such a great arm that when he comes to the Mariners and the Mariners instruct, essentially instruct him to throw a four seam slider. He only threw 13 sliders in this last game, but I think ultimately he's a four-seam slider pitcher who mixes in his changeup and sinker. I think there's another another level for Castillo. It would not surprise me in the least if his ERA ends up this season around 2.50. Uh, I think on this team he could win 15 to 18 games. So could Kirby for that matter. But Castillo is – and he strikes out more batters than Kirby does. I could see him going – 180 to 200 innings, but having 220 strikeouts at that point, you're talking about a Cy Young candidate in the American league. So if Castillo's your one, a Kirby's your one B your third starter is Logan Gilbert, Bryce Miller. We obviously can't expect a 1.42 ERA, but is he a five or six inning pitcher? Who's going to pitch around a three to three, five ERA. I think that's likely, right? I think there's a, a better than, then uh, 50% chance that that's what he is uh, the rest of this season. 
And so at that point, you've got four starters, three of them young, who behind Luis Castillo. This is the best rotation in baseball. They talked about it on MLB Network, I think last week. I'm not sure who said it. It might have been Jeff Passan. But I, 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 I'm there. I think this is the best rotation in baseball. And if we can get, sorry, if the Mariners can get five or six quality innings from Marco Gonzalez without blowing up like they did yesterday, you know, this is a rotation that is capable of carrying the team in the postseason. We haven't covered the bullpen yet. Maybe we will do that uh, on the next episode, but they're making do right now with with Justin Topa as the eighth inning guy and Paul Seawall being the rock in the ninth and with uh, Andres Munoz and Penn Murphy on the mend and, and, you know, potentially coming back Mariners are set. The pitching looks absolutely phenomenal. If there's an injury or if, uh, if Marco does implode a little bit, Brian Wu, who is a, a starting pitching prospect in double a currently has been really pitching brilliantly uh, he outdueled Jack Leiter, the the Rangers' number two pick a couple years ago, uh, in a pitching matchup last night. He he looks like he's ready, uh, and if not in the starting rotation, he could he could potentially be a, a bulk inning uh, reliever for the Mariners down the stretch. His stuff is too good to keep him in the minor leagues, and he is 24 years old. Emerson Hancock is still in Double A. Uh, he doesn't have the upside that I think people associate with his high draft status, but. Emerson Hancock is could be a very effective uh, four or five starter. I think he has the ceiling of a number three. So pitching wise, the Mariners are really set. I do think we'll start to hear a lot more talk about uh, the Mariners and their uh, uh, their pitching moving forward. And if they are going to make the playoffs and make a run at the American League West, obviously, you know, we need the Mariners need. Kelnick and Julio to uh, to be superstars and some of the other players that they expected production from, um, namely uh, Teo and uh, Ty France and Eugenio Suarez to produce. But this is a good team. It's a good team playing good baseball. Uh, despite the offensive woes, the Mariners are now 24 and 24, 500 ball uh, with, I think, a lot more better baseball to come. So thanks for listening. Uh, This was the recap of the first two games of the Oakland series at home. We've got a Wednesday game, a Thursday game. We'll come back Friday with the podcast and preview the upcoming series. Appreciate the listen. Again, my name is Tino Ganasius. My Twitter is TinoJr20. And you can find the podcast or the podcast at Ethos Mariners. Thanks again, y'all. Talk to you Friday. Go Mariners.